everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Mike and Amit Talk Tech. As a matter of fact, welcome to the very last episode of 2023. Thank you for being with us throughout the episodes this year. And just for sticking with us through all these fun episodes, we have a special episode in store for you with this one. Mike and I are going to make predictions for 2024. Okay, so here's how we have planned this. Both of us have come up with three predictions each. We worked on them completely independently. We did not share notes before. We did not share notes while we were coming up with our own predictions. So we are ready to unveil them in front of you. And here's what we're going to do. The last show of next year, perhaps the second to last show of next year, we will look back upon these predictions and evaluate them. And I will evaluate Mike's predictions and Mike can evaluate mine and see how we did. So without further ado, Mike, great to be back chatting with you. And can you tell us what's going to happen in 2024? What's your first prediction? I've got one which is troubling, I would say largely troubling. I have one which I think is largely exciting, mostly positive. And I have the third one I think could go either way. I think it could go either way. But I'm going to start, I think, with the one that's troubling. And that is that I, I predict in 2024, we are going to see a significant rise in deep fakes. Seeing is no longer believing, at least in 2024, right? I mean, we've seen these things before. They're not completely new, but the technology was not, you know, really where it needed to be, but it will be in 2024. I think the tools are becoming much better and much more widely available at a very low cost, meaning it's creating deep fakes, whether it's text, which, hey, come on, with generative AI, that's already done, images, uh, audio, and of course, the big one, video, this is really becoming, you know, technology that can be in the hands of anyone. And with the processing power that we have, you know, it used to be a, you know, take a lot of time and compute to create these, these particularly videos. It's just getting a lot faster, a lot faster and a lot easier. And we have in 2024, a lot of elections, don't we? We have the, the US election, uh, we have elections in the EU, we have a Russian election, and across the world. India, Indonesia, Brazil, we have 50% or more of the world's population voting in 2024. I mean, Russia, yeah, I don't know if they're voting, but yeah, they're there as well. There's a bunch of other countries that will go to the polls in 24, which is very scary, Mike, especially in light of what you're saying. Imagine that 50% of the world's population going to the polls and a lot of them not knowing if what they see or read or hear is actually real. So there's going to be, I think, a constant battle to recognize whether a piece of writing, an image, an audio clip or a video is actually real or not. And there's going to be a cottage industry that's going to be built up around this, you know, AI tools to recognize whether content is created by AI. The, the problem is, I mean, this is a perfect, in many cases, this is a perfect use case for generative AI because you're creating new content based on models that are linked to existing content. And when it comes to politicians, there's a lot of existing content that you can use to build these, this new content around. And it's not just politicians. I think it's going to be celebrities. 
as well. Uh, corporate leaders, business leaders, I think we're going to see the expansion of uh, corporate disruption, blackmail, issues with cybersecurity will, will, will be linked to this. A lot of you know executive spear phishing attacks where people will get voicemail messages from that sound just like their boss or the CFO or the CEO asking them to do something. I think we're going to see a lot more of this in 2024, unfortunately. And, and there's not much that I can see that we can do about it. We, we just have to be, you know, much more vigilant, much more aware that these things are there. You know what people are doing now, right? I mean, I mean, you, you've seen that when Sam Altman and a bunch of these, you know, Silicon Valley figures, they're writing tweets or messages, they're doing it in fully lowercase, fully lowercase, no punctuation, no capital letters. Why are they doing that? They're doing it to signal that it's a human, right? Because we know that AI tools use punctuation. You know, that's not going to last for too long. This is exactly like, you know, in rock concerts or in music concerts, uh, the singers try to do something funky just to prove that they're not lip syncing anymore, right? I mean, they just add some twist or something. Like that. But you know, Mike, what really scares me in this context, more so than banks and CEOs, is imagine getting a call from a loved one in their voice telling us that they're in trouble or something like that, asking for money. I mean, how do you disbelieve something like that, right? I mean, how do you react to something? And this is something that truly keeps me awake at night. So I think that's a, that's a really scary, but but I think a spot-on prediction number one on, on, on your part. Scary and definitely here or right around the corner. We're already seeing cases of grandparents getting calls from grandchildren, you know, asking for money, saying, oh, please don't tell my parents you know, and these and these grandparents are put in a very, very difficult uh, situation because it sounds like their grandchildren. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see more of this. There's also some goofy things happening. You see now that people are selling these rings you can put on that are linked to fake fingers, right? Because they, because they know that uh, that AI, you know, can't figure out how many fingers humans have, so it will be it'll be seen as a fake. So yeah, this is an unfortunate one, but I think we're going to see a rise in deep fakes in 2024. Okay, what have you got for us uh, for your first uh, prediction? My first prediction is also related to AI, but it's going in a little bit of the opposite direction to what you're saying. Not, not that I disagree that there will be more deep fakes. Mine has to do with the hype around generative AI. So I think every one of us, especially our listeners can agree, I think we can all say 2023 was the year of Gen AI, right? I mean, this has completely, utterly shaken our world turned it upside down, and then sideways. My prediction is 2024 is going to be the year of the AI fizzle. We have tremendous hype built up. This is an incredible technology. Mike and I have spoken about it repeatedly and at length, and we still think it's an amazing technology. However, I believe that the improvement in this technology will start to fizzle out. So specifically, GPT-5, which has been hyped to the skies, Gemini from Google, which has been hyped to the skies, will be average. They'll be slightly better than what we have. They will can do stuff a little bit better. They will not be path-breaking. The improvement going from, for example, what you're using today to what you're using this time next year is going to be marginal. It's kind of like moving from an iPhone 4 to an iPhone 7. I'm sure there were some things that were better in iPhone 7 versus iPhone 4, but really, you know, most of the innovation had already happened by iPhone 4, and after that, 
you were really, really, you know, adding bells and whistles to something that existed. So I predict that by this time next year, the hype will have died down. People will still be focusing on this as an incredible productivity tool. There'll still be lots of positive and, like you mentioned, negative use cases of this. But we will see a bunch of Gen AI duds or fizzles coming up next year. I just believe we are coming up, we are pressing up against the very edge of the amount of data that we have. We are pressing up against the edge of computing power that it's required. Already we are seeing even OpenAI, ChatGPT, artificially throttling both the speed with which it gives responses as well as the amount of information we can feed it to give it responses, right? It's purposefully slowing it down because Sam Altman has come out and said, hey, we just don't have enough compute. And this is the best funded, the most powerful and popular Gen AI tool on the market, right? And if they claim they don't have enough compute, this is a problem for significant improvements later on. I definitely think we will continue to see applications. I, can, I think we will definitely see some very cool consumer and business apps that are built on top of this foundational technology, but the foundation models itself, I believe will only marginally improve. Yeah, Amit, I, I think you're right. And we've already heard from Google that, you know, Gemini, hugely hyped competitor to GPT-4 has been delayed. That must mean there's something they don't like about it or it didn't work as well as they hoped it would work. Uh, it's never a good sign when things like this are delayed until, you know, Q1 of 2020, 2024, let's see. GPT-5, I, I, I've got to think that OpenAI, we should do an episode on what happened, right, uh, over the last over the last few weeks in that company. But you've got to imagine there's going to be a hangover from that. That's going to impact their ability to deliver on GPT-5 or other improvements to their models. And of course, we had the big step change, the large language model architecture that got us to where we are today. And now it's more kind of mature, right? It's, you know, a little bit more data, a little bit better processing power, but the, the architecture is still the same. So it's hard for me also to imagine we're going to see the same massive improvements in 2024 that we saw in 2023. So, so, so Mike, I think we've given our audiences uh, the small pieces or perhaps concerning pieces of news that we had in store for them. You promised a positive piece of news in your prediction. So what, what do you have as prediction number two? I do, and I'm super excited about this one. And, and, and like deep fakes, I mean, this is technology that's been around for a while, but just hasn't been good enough. And, and that's simultaneous translation. Simultaneous translation. Now, now, to have simultaneous translation, you know, not using human beings, which if any, any of you have done this, you know how awkward that is and how difficult it is. You really need three things to work at the same time. The first thing that needs to work, the first task is, is, is you need to get real-time transcription from voice to text. So if somebody's speaking, you're creating text in real time. And if any of you have used Teams or, or Zoom or some of these other technologies recently, you, you see that that's, that's happening today, that you're getting pretty much real-time transcription. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. So that's the first thing you need. The second thing you need is real-time translation from text to text, right? So that it can go from one language to another language in real time. And you can see with Google Translate and other tools, we're pretty much there at the moment. They are very good at translating text to text in real time. And of course, the third piece, which is 
really the one that's been the most difficult piece is to go from text to voice in real time. And if any of you use tools like Eleven Labs, uh, you can see you know how good these tools are today, going from going from text to voice in whatever voice you define. So I think in 2024 we're gonna we're gonna see the the applications and the technologies that are be able to put these three things together in real time. So that, for example, you imagine this: you're on a Teams call, the six of you. You all speak a different native language. Maybe you're all speaking English, but English is not your mother tongue. It's not the, the tongue that you're most comfortable speaking. So imagine that you're all speaking in your mother tongue, the tongue that you're most comfortable in. And on the other side, when everybody's hearing you speak, they're hearing in their mother tongue, but they're hearing your voice. It's not a computer voice or some random you know, voice. It's your voice. And you could have a whole meeting like that. This is essentially the promise of this is this is hugely and dramatically disruptive if it happens, because essentially it removes language as a barrier, right? The language barrier will be taken away. The awkwardness of simultaneous translation via human translators disappears. Conversations become more sophisticated. The more than 80% of the planet that doesn't speak English as a first or second language suddenly can participate in a whole new level of conversation. Or we could speak with, you know, natively with Chinese people or, or people who have, I think the pro, the disruptive potential of this is massive. Now, this is, I mean, I'm just thinking about this from the perspective of its impact on inclusiveness or inclusion, right? I mean, think about a little kid who's in the middle of Africa who only speaks Swahili or something like that and would really like to read a book on quantum physics. And the only, the only book available is, for example, in English. That's no longer a problem, right? I mean, if what you're saying actually happens, and I really hope it does, think about it. Now, all this kid will need from tomorrow is an internet connection. And uh, you use uh, uh, simple, relatively simple systems and tools to simultaneously translate the book or a lecture that's being given by somebody at MIT real time in that person's language into Swahili and into Lao and into... Uh, well, Sinhalese or whatever language you want. I mean, the power of this is just incredible. I agree with you. This truly is will be a cool thing if we, if we manage to pull it off. Fantastic. It, it'll allow us to get a lot closer together. I think understand each other better. There may be some negative impacts of this, but I think by far this is a positive, uh, positive impact. So I hope to see, and I, I, I think we will see good examples of tools that will allow for real-time simultaneous translation. All right, Amit, what, do, what else you got? What's your second prediction? So in line with yours, my second one is also a positive one, right? And then this one, hopefully, should really make at least some of our, our, our listeners really, really happy. I predict that at least one large corporation or even a country, if you're lucky, moves to a four-day work week. So this, 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 this prediction is actually a combination of uh, economics, if you will, society, as well as technology. So think about it. I mean, think about if some of the things that you and I have been talking about on the show, for example, the translation thing that you just mentioned, as well as in the previous episodes, even if a few of them come to pass, the level of productivity increases that organizations will see will simply be immense. And then, for the betterment of society, I suspect that at least a few organizations will 
be considering four-day weeks. And you know, the, the, the funny thing is that may actually give rise to a sizable population. I believe there already exists a small population, but that may give rise to a sizable population of the overemployed, right? Not the underemployed, but the overemployed. I think uh, you had shared an article and I think we had had a discussion on this particular point. There was a recent article of people who are so good that they have multiple jobs and they can actually do them. They have to work very hard, but they actually do them in about the same time that they do their normal jobs. And I imagine if your main job, if you will, allows you to work only four days a week, could you pick up another reasonably well-paying job, perhaps completely virtually, for another two days and boost your income by 50%? How cool would that be? But irrespective of that, just the societal benefit of moving to a four-day work week I think would be massive in terms of the amount of effort that we can put on our kids, the amount of things that we can do that add value outside the workplace, work on relations. And I think this is where we will really start seeing the positive social impact of AI. There's been a lot of talk of negative impact, some of which is obviously uh, well-warranted. But I think once we move to a four-day work week, or at least some people demonstrate a four-day work week is feasible, we will start seeing the massive positive impacts of this as well on society. How about this as an extension of, of that idea? And I also hope it'll, it'll happen. So we have a generative AI and other digital tools that are giving us massive productivity benefits. No question. Now, how has this happened in the past? Because in the past, we've had technology-fueled productivity benefits many times in history. And it, the result has pretty much always been the same, is that those benefits are captured by companies. They're captured by shareholders, right? So it's not like anybody listening you know, to this podcast is any less busy than they were. They're probably more busy because guess what? You just get piled on more work, right? So the, the benefits are being kind of captured by shareholders through, you know, increased productivity, but the actual workers don't see much of a benefit. So, I mean, I like your idea a lot is that why don't we share that benefit, be, you know, and, and maybe the workers get a little bit, a little bit more time to, to spend, you know, with their families or other interests that they have, get fit and sleep a little more or whatever it is. But how about this? What if we share that day with the planet? Because it, it, it's not, you know, it's corporations could get a benefit, workers get a benefit, but the planet is kind of left out of this thing. So, so, so what if we take that day and say, yeah, you know, you can take half of that time and you can spend it with your kids and, and, and do all the things you want to do. But what about the other half? You could go, you know, mentor somebody. You could go clean a river. You could go do something so that the benefits of, of these technologies are shared with multiple stakeholders, including the planet, which we agree is, you know, suffering. <laughs> Absolutely agree with you, Mike. And uh, this would be a fantastic kind of amalgamation of using digital technologies for sustainable outcomes, you know, or using digital technologies to, uh, you know, improve the social well-being, not just of you and your neighbors, but of, of, of the entire planet altogether. And again, when people, including folks like Sam Altman, when they talk about AI for good, these are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of admittedly utopian things that they have in mind, right? This is how AI is eventually supposed to help all of us. And perhaps we might see, hopefully, a little glimpse of that 
starting next year. And, and right? for the people who, who, who look at this and say, there's no way that any company is going to go to a four-day work week that put them in a much you know, negative competitive position. Everybody else is doing five, they're doing four. You know, there's no way they can survive. There is a historical precedent here, right? There is a historical precedent. We used to have a six-day work week, and then Henry Ford came in with with a five-day work week, and within five years, that was the standard. So it won't be easy, but there is a precedent of it happening. All right. So, Mike, what's number three for you? I had two terrific predictions. I can't wait to hear number three. <laughs> so the third one is, it could go either way. I think it's probably net positive, but it's a little bit scary as well. And it's, it's a rise in AI companions, a rise in AI companions. So 2023, as you said, is, was the year that generative AI kind of hit the mainstream. And we have tools like ChatGPT, you know, but they're not that, user-friendly and they're kind of isolated, right? I mean, you could use the tool and it helps you, but you go back and it doesn't really remember. It sort of remembers a little bit, but then the memory disappears over time and it can only do a few things. That imagine if you have an AI companion sort of that is between you and the online world that knows you, that knows who you are, what you like, uh, how you like to work, what you know, what you don't know. And that companion can go out and kind of represent you online. So, you know, it could find the best deal for you. If you want to buy something, if you want to get information, it can go search for that information and give it back to you in, in the way that you like information to be collected and shown. And whatever problem you have, these companions could help you to solve those. You know, we've had this kind of thing in the past, right? Clippy, remember Clippy? kind of didn't do so great. And we've had Siri and Alexa for a while, which have really disappointed. I mean, this is this was sort of the, the beginning of this idea, but suddenly I think now we have the sophistication of these tools and we have the ability of them to communicate with us in text, but in, in the future, in audio, uh, maybe video. Uh, that is really, really compelling. Uh, so it, it's almost like our companion that could get us what we need to get. I love it, right? I'm going to first use that to help me negotiate a higher salary. I think I, I'm horrible in negotiation. So I find negotiation companion would be brilliant. No, but it, 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 in a more serious note, I think what you're talking about is a more advanced version of the Microsoft Copilot, right? I mean, we're already getting that, uh, which is kind of sort of what you're talking about, but not really. What you're talking about really is the next level of the Copilot, which really understands individual level strengths and weaknesses, preferences, likings, and those kinds of things, and provides you truly, truly individual level recommendations. And this is, and I don't mean when I say individual level recommendations, things like, you know, people who bought this, bought that, you know, none of that. This will be truly personalized for you and across aspects of your life, right? Not just related to consumption. It could be related to, like you said, how can I make a better impact on the planet? given my strengths and weaknesses. And I think uh, this companion might be able to help you with that. Absolutely. You know, Copilot and even ChatGPT are kind of, you know, primitive versions of this. You can already talk to them and you can get advice from them. Copilot is quite corporate, but you can imagine something that is for your whole life. You want to plan a trip. It will get all the information about where you want to go. It can suggest hotels. It can make the reservation for you they knows what you like so we can it can find restaurants that, that fit your budget and, and and fit your likes and dislikes 
you know, if you have health issues, it can, it, can, it can give advice on those things. It can suggest remedies. It can help you to educate yourself. It can, you know, get information, curate information for you to give you the information that, that, that you need. So it's, it's, like a, it's like a personal assistant, but an AI personal assistant that kind of is your companion. And the longer you work with it, the better it knows you and the better able it is to kind of predict what you want and, 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 and deliver to you what you need. Now, of course, you may think they're privacy nightmare, right? Yes, could be, right? It could be. So there's always a risk reward trade-off here. But I think if it really does provide those benefits to you, people would probably on balance accept the fact that there is, you know, a, a privacy cost here. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely agree with you, right? I mean, as long as the cost benefit analysis works out for most people, they should be happy to go for this. All right. Your third prediction. So my third one is a little bit of a left field one, right? It has nothing to do with AI. It has nothing. Well, it does have to do with technology, but not perhaps a technology we use on a day-to-day -day basis. My third prediction is that finally in 2024, we will discover the first true alien Earth. What do I mean by this? Scientists will find for the first time an Earth-like planet that's actually in the Goldilocks zone with an atmosphere, possibly signs of water, some elements that we can understand. Now, please understand that we've already discovered a few Earth-like planets, you know, with at massive distances from us, but none of them really ticks all the boxes, right? I mean, if they're in the Goldilocks zone, they're not solid enough, uh, there's no uh, sign of water, uh, maybe they're too close to the sun if they're rocky or they're too far away, they've got to be frozen. I say, finally, we will discover one, at least, which is in the Goldilocks zone. And the reason I say this is not just because we now have tools like the ones we've been discussing over these last several months to analyze the massive amounts of data that the scientists are collecting, but the actual viewing power has just gone up. You know, the James Webb telescope, which has been up in the skies for a short while now, is already producing incredible amounts of data, images. Combine that with incredible processing power. And I am really, really hopeful that we will have our first alien Earth identified by the end of next year. Now, please understand, I am not saying that uh, we will find life there, right? All I'm saying is that we will find a planet. We will identify a planet at a large distance, probably from the Earth, that is rocky, that has some signs of water vapor in its atmosphere, has an atmosphere with a sign of water vapor in its atmosphere, that is also in the Goldilocks zone. So the Goldilocks zone is kind of like in that fairy tale story, right? Not too hot, not too cold, just the right distance from its star so that water can survive in a liquid form. So I'm talking about AI companions on Earth, which are kind of like aliens on Earth. And you're talking about aliens actually that exist on other planets. Indeed, yeah. Indeed, yeah. And maybe, maybe we will not find any evidence of them in the near future. But we could identify or we could confirm that there is nothing remotely special about this little piece of rock that we are living on here, right? I mean, there are tons and tons of these rocky, watery places all around the universe. Having said that, these are just insanely, immensely far away from us, which will kind of re-stress the importance of taking care of this one that we actually have. 
I mean, it's almost certain, isn't it, that there's going to be planets in the Goldilocks zone? I mean, with the number of, you know, rocks in, in the universe, there's got to be a few that can sustain life. And, and then if they can sustain life, it's almost inevitable that they at some point will. So, you know, you think it's going to be the year 2024 where we're actually going to find one of these. I do. I do. I'm super hopeful about it. I think uh, we finally have all the tools in place, including the you know telescopic power, the processing power, the AI that will help us analyze that data, and hopefully a little bit of funding coming from all these billionaires who are making all this money from AI. But I remain hopeful that 2024 is the year it finally happens. That would be super cool. Hopefully we won't, we won't need it for our own purposes. You know, there's probably closer plans. What is it that Elon Musk said? Uh, he said that he wants to die on Mars, but not on impact. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So for the moment, we got to take care of the planet that we're on. And I guess we're coming up to the end of the year. So there's nothing more to say, but happy holidays to all of our listeners. Uh, best wishes for the rest of 2023. And let's look forward to an exciting, interesting, and potentially partially Asian 2024. A very, very, very happy holidays from my side as well to all our listeners. Thank you so much for hanging with us, with Mike and myself over these last few months. Very much looking forward to welcome all of you back next year with more fun discussions, more fun bantering from between Mike and myself on various topics of tech. So once again, this is Mike and Amit, Top Tech. Thank you so much for joining us. For more information, please do visit imd.org.